Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Up North Prevention Podcast. Here you will find cutting edge information related to substance use issues through interviews, educational content, and helpful resources. For more information, please visit us at www.upnorthprevention.org. Thanks and enjoy the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Up North Prevention Podcast. My name is Mike Matern, and I'm a certified prevention specialist with Up North Prevention, an initiative of Catholic Human Services. My guest today is Trooper Shane Noble, a community service trooper with the Michigan State Police working out of the West Branch Post. Welcome, Trooper Noble. Thanks for having me. Glad hey, to be it's here. a pleasure. Always, always great to talk with you. Uh, we're we're going to talk today a little bit on this podcast about kind of drug trends. What's what you're seeing out there in the in the field? Um, what kinds of things uh, we all can be doing and working together to uh, kind of help this problem? Uh, but before we do that, I'd like to just talk to you a little bit about your background. What what made you get into law enforcement? How long have you been doing it? So I'll give you the Reader's Digest version. Uh, <laughs> Started in corrections uh, when I was a, a 19 year old, and then I uh, went to Kirtland Community College, became a road deputy at Ogama, and then I to uh, County Sheriff's Office. And then I got into the state police in 2008. I was a trooper at the Petoskey Post, transferred to the Bay City Post, and then eventually back home here to the West Branch Post. And I've uh, been the community service trooper since the end of 2017. And what I do as a community service trooper is I'm in the schools, I'm in the public, I'm doing education training, uh, drug coalitions. Um, I'm involved with a lot of uh, public relations details and events within our post area here in West Branch, which is Ogemaw County, Iasco, Aranac, and Gladwin. So that's a Excellent. quick synopsis of who I am and what I do. <laughs> and that's, I think it's a needed position. Uh, you know, there's always been, especially when we're talking about substance use and all of that, there's that... Um, kind of a, a wall between sometimes between law enforcement and those that are struggling with substance use and with a community service trooper out there kind of uh, using that community policing concept can help tear those walls down and maybe build a little bit of a relationship with folks. And, um, and, and that could go a long way towards a solution to the problem. Yeah, you're spot on, you know, specifically here in Ogemaw County, I'm part of the drug free coalition, uh, you know, Prior to 2020 in the pandemic, uh, we would meet monthly at uh, Mid-Michigan Hospital, coming up with ways that we were able to get the message out in the community about substance use disorder. Uh, specifically, uh, for community service troopers and state police, we have our ANGEL program that we run mm -hmm. out of the post. And what that is, is if somebody who's suffering from substance use, whether it be alcohol or drugs, they can come into any post uh, during business hours, contact us, let us know that they're suffering uh, from one of these situations. And we try to get them set up with uh, going to a detox facility, uh, an inpatient uh, rehab for mm -hmm. substance use disorder. Uh, specifically this year, we've been able to help out five people out of the West Branch Post. So things are improving. Um, we've been statewide initiative for Angel for a couple of years now and mm -hmm. starting to see more success stories, building those relationships. Uh, like you said, being in the public and no, letting people know, especially that are having these uh, substance use disorders, that we are here to help. We're not just here to arrest our way out of the problem. Right, exactly. And, and I was going to bring up the ANGEL program. Uh, so I'd like to go into a little bit more detail with that. Um, 
as I understand the program, and, and as you just have sort of detailed, somebody that is struggling with uh, substance use and comes to that point where they want help can then go to a post, but it has to be an active post, not um, not a detachment, not, not a no detachment. post, exactly. Okay, and they, they can then contact the troopers that are at the post who will then arrange for either inpatient or outpatient treatment, uh, depending on what's what's best or is it always inpatient treatment to start with how do you know how that you know, it works, depends or? a lot of times what we see is there's not always a bed uh, readily available so we'll get them set up with um nmre northern michigan regional mm-hmm. entity and uh they are actually the ones that find the bed but they work through our uh, angel program okay. um, and we get their foot in the door we can also provide transportation through our volunteer network uh, mind you with the pandemic right now we're not able to do that but when things return to normal um, we have uh, transportation for people that don't have uh, a means of getting to treatment. Uh, one of the things we don't cover, and we've had a few questions on, is we can't drive people to uh, like their medic- medical appointments um, and to uh, to get like a methadone clinic. We, we're not able to help in that uh, area, but we are able to get them to the treatment center once a bed's available for them. Right. And there are in in a large number of communities, transportation services that are available through either DHS or through the local transportation authority that would be able to um, probably provide that kind of transportation to medical appointments and such. That's right. So excellent. Sounds like a, a really good program. I'm glad it, uh, out of your post that you've been able to help five people this year. I think that's, uh, like you said, it's a step in the right direction, um, getting people into treatment, which is one of the three prongs that I talk about on how to solve the substance use epidemic that we have. One is, of course, law enforcement. Um, the other would be treatment. And the other is education. And you actually are involved in really in all three of those. I'm everywhere, right? <laughs> Sometimes much to our chagrin, depending on, on how fast we're traveling, right? <laughs> the, uh, so the, the ANGEL program now, as far as um, is there any danger of them being arrested or are they free from that fear when they approach you and want? So ultimately, um, if somebody does have like a local warrant and we're able to work uh, our way through a, a local warrant, we can do that, get permission from the courts. Uh, get them a date. But if they do have, uh, say, a felony warrant out of another jurisdiction, we are not able to uh, to look past that if it's an outside uh, area warrant. Okay. So, All right. That's the way I understood it, but I wanted to clarify it because I do get those questions. And so, excellent. Um, drug trends. You and I have talked in the past about what's going on out there uh, in the world, you know, for, we talk a lot about the opioid epidemic and sometimes we tend to forget that there are other things out there. What are you seeing kind of as trends in the community, at least in our area here in Northern Michigan? Yeah, what what I'm seeing specifically for our post area is that uh, really since 2019, we've seen a large uptick in uh, methamphetamine, a lot of possession of meth cases. Mm -hmm. Uh, Prior to that, we were dealing with a lot of marijuana, um, some heroin. We still have heroin around, of course, and obviously marijuana has been legalized. Uh, We have some crack cocaine, but really the big um, issue, the number one I'm seeing right now is methamphetamine as far as possession cases that are coming through our post with troopers arresting people for for said drugs. Okay. And you had mentioned that, um, you know, heroin sometimes um, slips through the cracks a little bit um, that it, because it's something that um, very often a a person that's using heroin um, will use right away. 
Whereas right, yeah, as, as far as getting the product uh, from a road troopers perspective, oftentimes we'll find paraphernalia, you know, we'll have a lot of signs that they have been using, but the actual product sometimes is not in the car because they're using it. Um, unfortunately, as soon as they can get their hands on it. And one of the big problems that we saw specifically for the last few years uh, when heroin was really bad around here is that people were getting uh, levels of fentanyl uh, with their heroin and we were having both fatal and non-fatal overdoses. Um, that seemed to have slowed down a little bit, uh, at least I can say for this year, but it's still out there. Heroin's still out there and we still have cocaine, crack cocaine. Yeah, it's, uh, there's a, there's a mix, but I I've seen the same trend that you have with this rather large uptick in methamphetamine. And sadly, um, it's, it's the more strong, more deadly crystal meth that we're seeing, um, are you seeing many home labs out there or we're not, what? We're not Mike? Um, you know, over the last few years, it's absolutely been crystal meth. Um, you know, I'm just going to throw out an estimate that prior to two years ago, we would have never seen crystal meth only uh, downstate perhaps and on TV shows, but it's real. It's around, um, you know, it's coming from our Southern border as our, as our best beliefs. Yeah. It's, and it's becoming a real problem. Uh, even in, in communities where we, you wouldn't anticipate, um, those kinds of problems. We're starting to see uh, an uptick in substance use, uh, alcohol uh, misuse, and that sort of thing. Probably partially due to the pandemic, you know, people are, are um, feeling hopeless, maybe. Do you, uh, how do you feel the pandemic is kind of working with this whole substance use you know, some of the, you know, just a snapshot of the year, right? We've all been in this together since 2020. Um, I definitely think that people with mental health issues are having more problems. They're not doing in, in-person appointments. We're not seeing a lot of friends, a lot of relatives, you know, a lot of the guidelines are to stay away from people. So that is obviously going to create um, more mental health issues for people that uh, don't get to spend time with people they care about. Um, I also think that due to the fact that people are home more, they're not out and about as much. So maybe they're not getting stopped by law enforcement as much. So some things perhaps are not being seen or, you know, they might not be getting arrested in their vehicle for possession of heroin or meth because they're at home doing it. They're not traveling as much. So less right. likely to run into law enforcement. Exactly. Um, and I think it's the, that isolation too. people are, are turning to ways to feel better. And so they're turning to self-medication using substances that are not healthy. Um, so I, th I think that's become a real problem. And um, you spend a, a great deal of time in the schools, as, as do I. Um, vaping has been an issue over the last few years with kids. Uh, it seems to have been growing and growing, uh, but now the kids aren't in school. So what do you think is trending with vaping? I think that it's certainly still going on and you gotta, you gotta know that if you're in your own bedroom, going to school, you don't have a teacher walking around, you're not uh, being watched by peer pros and other school staff. So my belief would be that it's easier to do it at home. It's probably continuing. Um, fortunately, you know, we have laws that, uh, that cover that realm. We have the youth tobacco act. Mm -hmm. And uh, just to summarize a couple of things with that, the first offense is a civil infraction, $50 fine. And the uh, child, the minor, has to participate with a risk assessment program in addition to 16 hours of community service. For a second offense, still a $50 fine, also the risk assessment program, but 32 hours of community service. And if there's a third offense, it's a misdemeanor, $50 fine. There's a probation order assigned, risk assessment program, and 48 hours of community service. So um, 
obviously the uh, the House and the Senate got together, saw there was a problem with uh, mm -hmm. the youth vaping, and were able to pass law to help cover that. Uh, prior to this statute, you know, we were pretty much dealing with uh, possession of alcohol by minor, mm -hmm. tobacco, which is, you know, just that, the tobacco leaf product itself, not nicotine. And we were also dealing with marijuana. So uh, the laws have finally caught up and uh, law enforcement is able to deal with it. Prior to this, a lot of the schools were dealing with it internally before it was illegal, uh, you know, suspending the students, et cetera. So right. some pretty significant uh you know, not fines so much with the uh, vaping, but, you know, a lot of hours of community service and having to go right. through risk assessment programs. So hopefully um, if the kids know that, the, that this could happen to them, it'll, it'll help them quit. Absolutely. And the, now the, the possession isn't just the actual vape juice product, because um, unless you have a test kit, you're not going to know if that has nicotine or not, but that would include the paraphernalia, the actual vape. Yep. So basically or... if there's a possession or a use or attempt to purchase a vapor product or, or alternative nicotine product or alternative product in general, it's covered. So okay. uh, when they made the statute, they, they kind of encompassed all of that. Okay, excellent. And working, you know, with, with people like you and myself in the schools, doing education, um, uh, working with their in-school or out-of-school suspension, maybe providing uh, an education platform for them, I think will go a long way towards uh, helping. You know, kids don't want to hurt themselves. They just don't understand the dangers uh, that they're seeing out there. Yep. Nicotine is one of those legal substances for adults, of course, uh, but it's, it's highly addictive. And many adults know that and uh, have been addicted to it for a long time. And we don't want to see our youth uh, doing that at a young age. We want to be older and make yep. proper decisions regarding their health. Yep. I used to joke that nicotine's easy to get off of. I should know I've done it 15 times. So, right. <laughs> I mean, you just, you just keep going back. It is, uh, nicotine is actually one of the most highly addictive substances known. It ranks up there on the scale with heroin as far as how addictive it, it can be. So uh, you're absolutely right. And we know the dangers of nicotine. Um, we've known them for years and years and years, but we just, um, for whatever reason, um, like anything else that adults use legally, like alcohol, nicotine, now marijuana, the, the fear of it has kind of gone away. It's now, it can't be bad for you because it's legal. That's sort of the mentality. That's how, and, that's how kids are going to look at it. Certainly. If it's okay for dad to do it or mom, why isn't it for me? Yep, exactly. Uh, and, and I think that's what we're seeing uh, trends wise. I'll, I'll be um, anxious to see next year when some of the surveys come out uh, where the uh, marijuana levels uh, of use are among our youth. Uh, now that we'll have, you know, a couple of years of uh, legalization under our belts, to see where the youth are now on that. Um, I know their attitudes when I speak with them are, you know, it's a natural plant. Well, you know, so is poison ivy, but I, I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't ingest it. Um, so I think, I think we're going to see an uptick in use like that um, just because of the, of the legalization, you know, it takes the stigma away, I think. Absolutely. And the availability, you think about marijuana, um, when it was illegal, you couldn't just go to the store and buy it. So obviously kids right. are going to have access more readily to them through their parents, you know, and, and other, and other mechanisms of who's buying it. So yeah, availability is out there. It, it definitely is. So, well, that's, that's all great information. And, um, I guess, you know, I, I spend my, uh, my career 
educating, trying to uh, bring people up to speed on the realities. Um, I try not to put on a scare show. I just try and give facts. And I know that's what you do. Um, what, what kinds of things can the everyday Joe that's out there, um, you know, what moms and dads and, and teachers, what can they do uh, on a day-to-day basis to help get these problems under control? One of the things that, that I know myself and our coalitions like to work on is the stigma that comes with a substance use disorder. Um, you know, a lot of times people weren't willing to seek help because of the stigma, you know, they used to call it, you know, you know, being an addict or being addicted. And now, you know, just changing a couple of the words like the substance use disorder, um, knowing that is it is a, an actual problem. You know, some of these people choose to get addicted to these drugs or use these drugs or abuse these drugs. So stigma is huge. You know, almost everybody that's an adult is going to know somebody at some point in their life that has or is using uh, substance use, whether it be a family friend uh, or even a coworker's family or friend, you're going to hear about it. And uh, if we can operate in a sense of trying to get uh, help to these people and not turning our back on it and giving it such a black eye or a bad name, to the, uh, to the idea of getting them help, you know, that's going to improve entirely. And I think overall, um, as a society, we have started to, uh, take that stigma away, you know, uh, for instance, when police respond to an overdose, you know, we're not charging, uh, people with simple use or uh, possession of these drugs. Um, whereas before, you know, if we were going to get called, we were going to take these drugs and we were going to charge these people. Um, you know, law enforcement's carrying Narcan now, you know, we've made some big strides in law enforcement, you know, general civilians can buy Narcan now if they know somebody in their family or friend that suffers from a substance use disorder, specifically opiates for the Narcan. Um, you know, they can carry that just in case they ever have to use it. So in, in as a whole, I think society is opening up and to really drive the point home, taking the stigma away and trying to get people help and uh, treating it as a disease, um, you know, as opposed to somebody's life choices. Absolutely. And, and um, one of the things I do is train people on Narcan. So if anyone is watching the podcast today and is in my area, um, or even if you're not, we can hook you up with, with the, uh, the right folks, um, contact us and we can train you on how to use Narcan properly, what to look for. Um, and, and that can go a long way towards perhaps uh, saving a life out there. I know I carry mine with me at all times because um opioid uh, use disorder affects everybody. It doesn't matter if you're white, black, male, female, old, young, rich, poor, fat, skinny, it knows no boundaries. And so, um, you know, it's, it's an, it's an ugly and evil disease and we, uh, and I shouldn't even put it that way, but I mean, it, it's doing great evil in our society. Um, it's taking people's lives away. Um, it's taking people's families away. And, and I think anything that we can do as a society, and I agree with you on the stigma. In fact, we just released about a month ago on our YouTube channel, a video on reducing stigma. Uh, if anyone wants to go see that, and, and uh, obviously they're on the YouTube channel because they're watching this video right now, uh, you can go to the Up North Prevention YouTube channel and look for that reducing stigma video. And there's some, it's just a quick five, six minute video, but it gives you some really good ideas on how to change the words we say, as you mentioned, you know, instead of calling them an addict, it's somebody suffering from, uh, or I, I don't even use suffering anymore. It's just somebody that has substance use disorder. Um, you know, and, and that's a, it's a hard thing to change because it's been so ingrained, you know, you see it on TV, you know, the, whenever you watch a, 
some of the old shows, especially it's, he's a junkie, you know, or she's a pill head or all of those kinds of things. All of those are detrimental towards people wanting to seek treatment because they don't want to be seen in that, uh, in that negative light. And if we can start talking about it, as you've mentioned, like a disease, because that's exactly what it is. It's a disease of the brain. And so we can get these folks into treatment so that they uh, can, can, kind of come out and heal, I think that would be a very good thing. So uh, I think you're spot on with, with what you said about stigma. And I think all of us working together to change our language can be, uh, can be very effective. We've done it in other areas, you know, and in, in, in different. And another thing I want people to know out there is that their uh, local health departments uh, have a lot of help too. They have a lot of resources. Um, there's there's things out there no matter where you live no matter how rural um you know we cover the whole state of michigan so our angel program there is help out there mm-hmm. you just got to make the call or come in and see us um and that's the biggest thing is knowing there's people that want to help you that's excellent and your your contact information is on your post website yeah. um so if they want to have uh trooper shane noble come on out and speak once we're able to actually be face to face again that'll be uh, nice won't it see everybody uh, and, and be able to do these things well, <laughs> not just on the computer you and i have been trying to do an event at a school for months and we just haven't been able to do it because of the the shutdown and i'm looking forward to doing that again because i think it's very effective um when you're face to face with somebody and you can look into their eyes and they can look into yours and you can, it's the compassion is palpable at times. And absolutely. uh, So I think, yeah, we need to get back to, to normal life again. Unfortunately, um, you know, we're just going to have to ride this thing out until we, I think we're all looking forward to summer of 2021. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> me too. Uh, we had, I mean, it was, it's just been, as you know, an, an altogether different year. I normally have 18 to 20 people at my house for Thanksgiving, um, including my 90 year old parents and um, my 83 year old in-laws. And we just, it was just my wife and I this year. Um it was you got a pass, you know, so you can do it again next year with everybody. Exactly. And I'm thinking probably Christmas is going to be the same, but we're looking maybe into spring before we can kind of get back to a semi-normal life. Um, the zoom, the zoom is nice because I can have a meeting with you without having to have a mask on. Right. (laughs) If they ever decide we could pass this over zoom, we're all in trouble. Well, trooper, I really appreciate your time and I appreciate the great information. Um, And we certainly appreciate the work that you and all the other uh, law enforcement uh, officers do out there. Um, You do yeoman's work. Uh, You don't get near enough credit for the the good work that you guys do. And uh, we truly, truly appreciate it. I appreciate your time today. I know you're a busy man and um, looking forward to uh, getting back face to face with you and doing some things out in schools. Sounds good, Mike. Thanks for having me. All right. Take care. Stay safe. The Up North Prevention Podcast is advancing substance use prevention efforts in northern lower Michigan and beyond. Learn more at upnorthprevention.org. Subscribe to Up North Prevention on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts, and we'll see you in the next episode. Funding provided by Northern Michigan Regional Entity.